Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to the Cutting the Distance Christmas special. You know, for me, Christmas really has always been just a special time, a special time to spend with friends and family, a special time that I remember a lot of the hunts around this time because we get together, we get to go out, we share meals, and most of that's wild game meals, um, hunting and family and food and Christmas all kind of combined for me this time of year. Um, you know, even even in this weird year, I think Christmas can always kind of feels like a special time. Uh, you know, some people have experienced some really hard times this year and and then there's been some good times mixed in. So, you know, I think that maybe we just uh, I thought it might be kind of fun to do this Christmas special podcast, share a couple cool tips on maybe some holiday hunting, some some ways you can cook up some game and then and then give some stuff away as well. So there's that. But before we do that, uh, I think I'm going to just share a Christmas story from Christmas Eve 2003 in the most Christmassy way I know how. Cue magical walking music. Twas the day before Christmas, out in the marsh. Not a duck was flying, the game seemed sparse. The decoys were set around the water in pairs, with a hole in the middle, hoping the birds would land there. I was tucked in the tulies, sitting on my stool, 
with thoughts of Greenhead and Sprig landing in this small pool. I and my waiters, my gun camo clad, I was hunting for the duck feast we always had. When through the air, some teal wings hissed. I threw up my gun, shot three times, and missed. While disappointed there was no splash, I sat back down and let the time slowly pass. The skies were all empty, not a duck in sight. I got off my stool to call it a night. I packed up the decoys in the cold winter air. It looked like Christmas dinner. I would have nothing to share. As I walked toward the swim hole on the way to the truck, I heard the quack of a single lone duck. And what to my wondrous eyes did appear? A hen mallard jumping out of the pond right here. I clicked off the safety and threw up the stock. I swung the bead and touched a round off. The flight of the bird immediately stalled. In a puff of feathers, it fell in a ball. I quickly ran over to find my game. A jump shot hen was what I had claimed. While it was a lot shy of a Christmas feast, lacking the meat of a brace of geese, I have to admit I was glad for the luck. I avoided being skunk when I hit this duck. Its feathers were brown, its bill fairly bleak. There was no band nestled on its feet. But that didn't matter to me one bit. I had some meat and was proud of it. When I got back home, I spoke not a word. I went out back and plucked my bird. I heated the oven for a fine Christmas roast. The rest of the family wanted to toast. I had to explain as I got into sight, it'll be a Merry Christmas for all, but only one duck for dinner tonight. From my hunting field notes, December 24th, 2003, said Quarry, ducks. Duck shot, one head mallard, I jumped off the swim hole. I remember that Christmas fairly well. I was a senior in high school and my family had spent Christmas, actually that Christmas morning in a wall tent on the river of Montana. It was down the way from where my grandpa lived. We had this awesome fireplace roaring in there and we actually made a nice wood mantle on the back of the wall tent by the stove where we hung our stockings. Uh, we decked it out and included a Christmas tree and lights. It was a pretty, uh, pretty magical tent on the river there. Honestly, when I think back about it, it's one of the most memorable Christmas mornings I, I think I've had. Uh, we woke up early and we celebrated. We exchanged gifts together in the tent. It was dark outside still. The tent was all lit up. And we just listened to the river and uh, Christmas music and just enjoyed each other's company. And honestly, I don't remember any of the gifts exchanged, but I do remember how much fun I had with my brothers and parents spending Christmas together uh, hanging out in the wall tent, and it was just uh, one one definite Christmas to remember. One thing that I I definitely take from it was the fact that I got to spend the time with with my family, and that's all that. When it comes time this time of year, that's those are the things that I remember. Those are the things that I cherish. Speaking of family, you know, this time of year, maybe you've got a few extra days off. Um, you got a little bit of time. I think it's a great time to take friends, to take family, people that hunt and people that don't hunt out in the field with you. I know that some of my favorite memories are spent uh, on small game trips, some hunts around this time of year when people have got time off and 
you know, my brothers would go, my dad would go, even my mom would come. She wouldn't hunt, but she would just enjoy the experience of going out, doing something that's not a full intensive, have to pack in 20 miles, have to pre-plan, have to have all these tags, but just something that you can go out and do. It's fun. You know, you make it fun for the people around you. That time of like pack the Yeti Rambler full of hot chocolate, hit the trail, head out and enjoy the time with those close to you, whether they hunt or not. Maybe you'll create a new hunter or just somebody that enjoys getting out and going with you. So I decided to just break down my five top hunts I think you should try between Christmas and New Year. The first is going to be ducks. Of course, my story was a duck hunt for me. I don't know, it just uh, duck hunting around Christmas time is something that I always do. But also, I love roast duck around the holidays. So Christmas and New Year's, it's something that we generally eat. And it's also something, it's, it's one of those hunts where duck hunting tends to be a more successful hunt than some other hunts. Now, while it can be quite gear intensive, you got to get the decoys, uh, you might need a boat, you might need all this stuff. Not all duck hunting has to be that um, intensive. If you, if you aren't into it or you're thinking about going out trying, I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast and maybe don't hunt a lot or just getting into hunting. There's actually a lot of duck hunting to be had that isn't as, as gear intensive and it's more jump shooting, pass shooting, picking spots. So I would suggest looking for ditches, sloughs, rivers, marshes. Um, the specialized gear that you're going to need for this hunt would be a pair of waders, which for the longest time I used my fishing waders. I used just wader shoes over the top. I wore clothes underneath them. And then I actually threw a pair of camouflaged like army surplus pants over the top of it. I actually wore, that's what I did. I wore my tennis shoes underneath my like neoprene fishing waders and then just threw a pair of army surplus camo pants over the top. Yeah, you might look a little janky, but hey, you're getting out, you're shooting some meat, you're having a good time. You need a shotgun with a plug in it, some steel shot, obviously all the necessary duck stamps and licenses, but finding those sloughs, those river bottoms, those ditches, things where you can walk up and down, maybe see some birds, use your binoculars, spot and stalk them. It's a great way to get into duck hunting, to shoot some meat, um, to start learning and identifying birds. One thing about duck hunting is understanding how to identify birds that are in flight because there's certain birds you can shoot, certain ones you can't. If you're getting into it, if you're new to it, it's a great way to kind of get your bird identification down before they're cruising by in the marsh. Watch them, stalk them, look at them, understand, bring a bird guide if you have to, to understand what birds are what. Understand the way that they fly, when they fly. Look at them through your binoculars while they're flying. Sneak in, shoot a few, and bring some home. One of my favorite ways to cook duck is to roast them. So I generally turn the oven on 400 degrees, a little bit of salt and pepper on top, and then I put them in a roasting pan. Um, sometimes I'll even go like 450 or higher. Uh, what, what you want, the key to cooking good duck is just medium rare. You want the, if you poke it with a fork, it's done when those, the juices start coming out at like that rosy pink color. You don't want to overdo it. If you got a thermometer, I try to keep it right around 120 um, is when I, what I normally roast the duck to. I love to pluck my ducks. So I'll pluck them, um, and then get them and cook them whole. But if you breast them, sometimes you can you can pluck the breast and then breast it out. That's where you just kind of take the breast portion away from the rest of the body. Or if you like to skin them, that's fine too. Skin it out and then roast the breasts. What I do, if I do it that way, just the breast or even the whole duck, I'll actually set it on top of an orange slice in the roasting pan. I salt and pepper the bird, maybe a little bit of other herbs. 
And then I'll, if I, if I've got it whole, I actually stuff it sometimes with, I generally use rosemary, thyme and apple stuff it, Uh, maybe a little bit of bacon to add some fat back in, but they're already pretty fatty. Most, most ducks. And then I roast it and it doesn't take very long, maybe 20 minutes, something like that. Keep checking it. And then what I do when I'm done is I turn the oven on broil to crisp up the skin. And then I coat the tops with orange marmalade and then like underneath the broiler and get that kind of glazed over, make kind of a glaze with it. And that's, I like, I love that sweet, savory kind of mix of duck. And that's probably my traditional go-to Christmas dinner or New Year's dinner is some kind of roast duck in that fashion. So that's a really good hunt to do. Maybe, you know, Christmas day, I, I actually do a lot of duck hunting on Christmas day, but get out if you got a few days off between now and New Year's or on New Year's, that's a great hunt. It's one that you can kind of take, take some people with. Uh, it's fun. I kind of find duck hunting one of those hunts where you generally go out and get something. Um, if you're just starting out hunting, if you're going to invest in one kind of hunting, duck hunting is a good one to invest in because it generally yields a lot of success for the time spent. Now, there are definitely slow days, days where you come home with that one hen mallard or no hen mallards. There's, there's been a few days where I've been, quite a few days where I've been skunked. But as you start to get into it and kind of figure it out, uh, you can find a lot of success hunting it. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some meat eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I'll have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. The next one I would say is great with family, with people that are just getting into hunting 
rabbit hunting. It's because it's, it's pretty easy and it's pretty easy to be successful. It doesn't take a lot of gear investment. You can use small caliber rifles, small caliber shotguns, 410 shotgun. I know as a kid, it was fun to go out with 22 or 410, uh, hunt rabbits. One other thing is it's a great for new hunters, people that are just getting into it because you can kind of translate a few of the big game tactics like if you've got snow on the ground winter time's a great time to chase rabbits snow on the ground you can find the tracks it's i just look for like brushy areas rabbits love that kind of thick brushy stuff if you've got snow you just cruise around look for tracks walk around walk up and down creek bottoms and other areas where they tend to be um if you live in more of an agricultural type area check that the the brush lines and other things they tend to hide out in there if you've got snow you'll see their snow their tracks it's like two little tracks followed by bigger tracks in the back it's their front legs planting and their back legs coming up kind of looks almost like a deer track in some ways but you'll see those trails where the rabbits go move a lot and then just kind of work that brush sometimes you can have two people it's always nice to have a couple people actually because you can kind of work the brush create a line work it and get the rabbits to run out and get some shots I would say that uh, my my favorite way to prepare rabbit, uh, especially around the holidays, I, I do two different things. So the the back straps of the rabbit, I generally will cut out, fry like chicken strips. That's pretty good. Um, maybe pound it flat, just bread it like chicken strips. But um, one thing that uh, my brother actually does a lot if we get snowshoe hares or, you know, if you're new into hunting and you live out west or you're trying to get someone into hunting, go out, shoot a couple jackrabbits. You might think it's like they're plentiful. A lot of people see them as trash rabbits. I don't know. I've cooked up plenty of jackrabbits and they taste great. And we generally do it in, in a rabbit stew, slow cooked, braise it first, um, brown it in a pan and then put it in with some you know, like brown gravy mix or some beef stock, chicken stock, whatever you want. Make a nice stew with some potatoes, some carrots, some celery, some herbs. That's uh, a great way to have rabbit, especially on a winter time. It's like a it's really like a really warm home cooked meal feel. Um, the next hunt I would suggest, and this one takes a little more doing, but is really I would say more bang for your buck is there's a lot of areas out west across the country anywhere that have late season doe hunts uh, they do the doe hunts after the buck season generally is a as a management tool to reduce deer populations picking up these doe tags is a incredible hunt it's a great way to hone your skills it's also great if you're getting into archery i always suggest people it's like hey i want to get into archery what should i hunt first white-tailed does they give you all the experience they're very it can be difficult but the a lot of opportunity so i think it's kind of a perfect mix of there's a lot of them out there you don't have to single it out and find one that's legal it just has to be a doe but they also are very wary there it can be hard to get close to i love to spot and stalk them there's a lot of places that i hunt them where i can get a couple like a i think i can get up to four or five doe tags and I choose to like spot and stock them. There's public land places you can do it. And there's a lot of people that'll give you permission to hunt does because if they are trying to manage numbers, some, some places, you know, you need to, they need to shoot a lot of does and they might not have a lot of people that want to. So it's one of those things too. You can pull out your Onyx, maybe talk to some people, bring out your family. Um, that's always a good way to get permission sometimes. And just don't disturb people during their holiday. But, um, 
I think a doe hunt's a great way to kind of get some hunting in this time of year. It's fun. And it's also a great way to kind of get into maybe another form of hunting. I like to take out uh, like a, I've got a muzzleloader or just, you know, a new rifle, whatever. It's just, a, it's a really fun hunt. So I highly suggest that. One of my favorite Christmas recipes is to take uh, the loin, like the, the backstrap, and I, I do a stuff to loin. So I actually cut, I'll take like a fillet knife, I'll cut it into a large chunk, large section, maybe like a six to eight inch section of a backstrap. I'll either open it up, that's generally the easiest way, or you can just kind of stick your knife in there and cut it. But I, I generally make like a, how would I describe it? If you're looking at the round of it, you make like an S cut where you kind of cut around or maybe more like a, a, yeah, kind of a top and then down and then back. So what you're doing is you're filleting it out so that whole backstrap can lay out bigger because you're going to stuff it and then wrap it back up to its original shape. And what I stuff it with, um, I generally like to make like, make it easy on yourself, get like whatever people freak out about this, but like some stovetop stuffing. I love it. And uh, super easy. And then I throw in some uh, dried cranberries with it. And then what I'll do is I'll roll that loin back up and then I make a bacon lattice and I wrap it with that. Then I tie the whole thing up with twine and I'll either smoke it or cook it in the oven or on the barbecue. Just got to be careful if you cook it on the oven or the barbecue, you don't want it to like flame up. So the best way is in the smoker. And then I will, um, I actually like to, I'll finish it by browning the bacon after smoking it. You can also not add the bacon it's up to you. I mean, sometimes it's holiday season, get decadent, throw some bacon on it, whatever. I try not to put bacon on everything, but why not? The next one I would suggest would be a quail hunt. Quail are pretty widely distributed. They are fairly easy to find. It's like find some good brushy spots, some thicker stuff. Uh, you can hear them calling. They they make like a, I, I call it the Chiquita sound, the Chiquita <laughs> that was terrible. I can't whistle right now. Though. Mouth's too dry from podcasting. But um, quail is a great, uh, a great hunt. Like can be high action, high volume, especially for people just getting into it, taking some people out. Just don't uh, shoot each other in the face, <coughs> Dick Cheney. Um, no, that's uh, you know. Make sure you know where everyone's at. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. It's not super physical most of the time. Uh, if you're around agricultural areas, same kind of deal as the rabbits. And actually, you can find quail and rabbits in very similar places, especially out west. So that's that's one to think about. Grilled quail is pretty hard to beat. I just I skin them out, spatchcock them, and then uh, you can marinate them. Sometimes I'll marinate them actually in like a little bit of. Um, just like a little bit of olive oil or whatever, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Um, but I generally just grill them as is they're, they're pretty hard to beat. Probably one of the best game birds out there. And then the last one I would say, uh, this is one that we do is kind of a new year's tradition, but a pheasant hunt, this can be really fun because, you know, if you can find some fields, get some permission to hunt pheasants, uh, uh find somewhere like there's a lot of walk-in areas where, uh, the state actually, provides land for hunters like leases land from private individuals access yes programs uh i don't know some places call it block management some places all different kinds of programs look on your onyx look on whatever research areas where there's these kind of places where you can hunt some of this 
they're, you know, CRP type land. Uh, it can be really, really fun. One thing that we do as a tradition is we kind of go out, we, we do like a family kind of pheasant hunt. All the friends come out, they bring their wives and even people like everybody that people that maybe don't hunt or aren't really that interested in hunting. We have them get their hunters, light hunting licenses, hunter safety, whatever. And this is kind of a, a time where we make it about getting everybody else to try to get something. The nice thing about pheasants is they, they generally jump pretty close. It's a, a larger target. They're a beautiful bird. It's a, it's a lot of fun and can be a really fun time. Make it an event, make it a, we bring out the hot chocolate and the barbecues and just, and just have a great time. And then I think one of the best, one of my favorite recipes is just doing kind of a beer can chicken style with a pheasant <clears throat> later on. Or we take the breasts, we breast them out, use them out to pound them flat and make like chicken parm, like pheasant parm, uh, mixing in some breadcrumbs, some Parmesan, some uh, whipping up some eggs. So you dredge it in the breadcrumbs and then you in the egg breadcrumb, do it about twice, stick it in the oven about, I don't even know, maybe like 375. Don't go too long. Cook it, you know, cook it like you would chicken and then uh, top it with some, uh, provolone's pretty good and some some pasta sauce or whatever your favorite pasta sauce is that's a really good way to eat it you can also do kind of the same thing and then fry it in oil that's a good way to do it as well in olive oil so i say between those things you should find yourself something some way to get out there get some friends out there get some family out there and enjoy the outdoors enjoy some hunting and enjoy some awesome christmas meals Now, it wouldn't be a Christmas special without a, uh, some kind of giveaway. Uh, just kind of, a, I just want to say as like a thanks for listening. I really appreciate you all tuning in. I mean, I know there's there's a lot of people that are new to listeners, but also the tried and true. I just want to say Merry Christmas to you and your families. And I just thank you very much for the support over the last year. I've really enjoyed doing this podcast, mostly because of you guys, um, I would say if I'm being hundred percent honest, I don't know if I necessarily enjoy sitting down and talking in the middle of the night after a long day hunting. But what I do really enjoy is the feedback that I get from you guys, the amazing comments that you've left on wherever you listen, you know, the, the sharing it and just sharing your experiences with me, that to me makes it worth it. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. That's, that's why I do it. That's what I love about it. And so I think it's really cool that, that we've created an awesome community of people that are tried and true hardcore hunters all the way to the people just getting into it. So I thank you guys for listening. I thank you for your continued support. Um, last year, I, I tried to figure out ways to do the giveaway because, you know, I, it's like I, I kind of have to do it. In, I'll do it in combination with social media. So if you don't have those things, I apologize. It just makes it easier for me to figure out ways to to get some stuff given away. So I've got some, I, I did this last year as well. And I thought, I thought it worked really well. And what I don't want to do, cause sometimes if I do a, just a giveaway on like Instagram, there's so many people that the odds are just terrible. So I want it to be like, eh, if you, you put out a little effort, you listen to the podcast, then your odds will be a lot better. So the first uh, giveaway, I've got some awesome Yeti mugs for some people, some different ramblers. So I'll maybe I've got uh, half a dozen of those, maybe a dozen of those. So what we're going to do, I'm going to make a post like a, a post about the podcast. And then as the secret to just the people that listen, 
uh, in the comments, put some kind of mug emoji, whether it's the beer mug, whether it's the some form of cup emoji. I'm sure you can find that, figure that out. I looked, there was like quite a few different ones. So you put some form of cup emoji and then I will randomly select the winners out of those uh, those people that do that. So that should help your odds. There won't be like thousands of people. There'll just be the people that listen and the people that take the time to do it. And that's cool. Be rewarded for that. So um, that's that's one of the ways, one of the secret podcast prizes. The next, oh, I did this one last year with uh, a different product and um, the odds were super good. So uh, the next one, I've got a custom Gerber knife. So you can actually go on, design whatever you want on the knife, add, you choose exactly what knife you want, um, like put your name on it, put images on it, put, I mean, just like crazy cool stuff. Um, so this one, what I did, and I, I kind of like this because it, it kind of narrowed the amount of people and what they did. But so go on my Instagram page, anywhere that you see a knife, just comment. Like it could be an old post. It could be a new post. It doesn't matter. Just scroll through a few of the pictures. If you see a knife or whatever in the thing, in the post, uh, just say something about the podcast. It doesn't, I'll figure it out. I think there's like dates on there so I can kind of figure out. Then I'm going to randomly, uh, I've got, I know which images have stuff. So I'm going to randomly pick the image and then the people that have commented on the image, I'll randomly pick the person on that. The person that won last year, um, the, the image that actually I got randomly drawn, there was like six comments on it so it was like a one or no, it was actually three. It was like a one in three chance of winning the prize last year. So that was pretty sweet. Um, you know, well, there was a lot on some photos, but this, I, I, I don't, you don't have to go like super deep, you know, just whatever, just the last, you know, 20 photos or whatever. But, um, most people just did it on the one and a couple people listened and did it on the other ones and they did it on all the ones they saw and that person won. So that's just something, uh, give that a sh if you, want to enter that. And then, and then I did this last year as well. I thought it was kind of fun, just kind of like a photo contest. Um, I've got a pair of Diamondback 10 by, I think a 10 by 42 HDs vortex binoculars. So if you want to try to win those, just if you got an image, take a picture, or you have an image that you've already done, tag me in it at Remy Warren, and then add the hashtag, hashtag glassing forward. Cause I'll, I'll search that hashtag and then it'll just be kind of a photo contest of sorts under that theme glassing forward last year's winner. Uh, I, th I think his daughter was just like out there looking. It was kind of a cool, like he had a cool concept of it. Um, that was the winner. I actually may just randomize them, but I'll take the, maybe my top 10 favorite photos and then I'll just do a random thing off of that. So that's how you can win your Christmas swag. Um, I will close all that. Let's say we'll give it five days from today. So before New Year's. Um, but actually, let's just close it. Let's just close it by next a week before the next podcast comes out, which is New Year's Eve. So best of luck to you all. And... Actually, you know, some of the mugs I'm going to do today. So if anybody listens, those people will be rewarded. If you're listening to this on Christmas Eve, you're hardcore. If you give me that cup thing, we'll just, I'll give a couple of those away, those ramblers away that way. It's, it's my own giveaway. It's just loose. <laughs> it's just like, that's the way I like to do it. So 
Until then, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Next week, oh, and before I forget, next week, I'm going to do some, uh, just because it's New Year's and we got New Year's Eve coming up, just some stuff to think about getting into next year, like a, an action plan to be more successful. Some fitness stuff, some shooting stuff, some hunt planning stuff. We'll get all that dialed in. So going into the next year, you can make your plan, you can be set, and you're going to be ready for success. All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. And to you all, a good night. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. First Light has always made the world's best base layers. They're warm, breathable, silent, and odor resistant. But the women's fit and the gear weren't meeting our demands, so we went back to the beginning and rebuilt everything. Re-engineering the gear with the most dedicated female hunters in mind, First Light modernized the fit and added more sizes, colors, and camo patterns. I personally have been testing the women's gear over the last couple of years, uh, from the mountains in Idaho to the plains in Nebraska, and I feel like the fit especially has landed in a much better spot. It's more true to size. It's not as tight and binding in certain areas like a lot of women's fit. Uh, All of the pieces, to me, got an all-around upgrade. It's awesome to see. So for yourself or as a gift this Mother's Day, pick up First Light's new women's merino wool and get free shipping on all orders containing women's gear. Available now at F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E dot com.